Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Elizabeth Barnett-Lawton, and I'll be interviewing some of the industry's most inspiring talent for the British Beauty Council's Career Insights podcast series. Looking back on the last two decades of my own career as a magazine journalist and a university lecturer, it was having the opportunity to interview thought leaders, celebrities and entrepreneurs that has been one of the greatest highlights. I'm just as fascinated today in speaking to the great minds and personalities behind industry figures as I was reading about them as a student. Hearing someone's story, a shared experience from someone who's made it in their chosen field, can provide much needed inspiration for anyone seeking a path to a fulfilling career. This is why the British Beauty Council are providing special access into the careers of inspirational beauty industry leaders exclusively for our members. So whether you're a student or perhaps you're thinking of a career change, we think our Career Insights podcast series featuring some of the UK's best talent could be the vital boost to your dreams and motivation. For me, and I hope for you too, the podcast series is a fascinating insight into the lives of some of Britain's biggest beauty success stories. Welcome to the show. Sam McKnight is one of the world's leading session hairstylists with a career spanning five decades. He's remained at the top of his career throughout and is famous for teasing the hair of icons, including the supermodels, Kate, Linda, Naomi, Christy, Cindy, Claudia, etc., and also for creating a fresh modern look for Diana, Princess of Wales. He first slicked her hair back for a shoot with Patrick de Marchelier for the December 1990 Vogue cover story. He continues to collaborate with the leading names in fashion, photographers Irving Penn, Craig McDean, and Nick Knight, with whom he's worked for 25 years, and brands Chanel, Burberry, Fendi, Balmain, and Vivian Westwood. And in fact, until this year, the year of the pandemic, he's not stopped working for longer than a few weeks since he first started out in 1977. So I'm very excited to be talking to him for this podcast, where he's recording from his wonderful garden, where his much-loved flowers are just starting to bloom. So hi, Sam. Thanks so much for talking to me today for the podcast. And it is such a privilege to talk to you about your career. And in fact, I have your book here from the exhibition. Oh, right. Signed by you. Oh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. So you're one of the, the most successful hairstylists in the world with a career spanning four decades and a client list including Chanel, Fendi, Vivian Westwood and Burberry. And you've probably done more Vogue covers than most, if not any other hairstylist. Um, I think it was over 190. I'm not sure if you've counted. Oh, I think we're well into the 200s now. Are we? Yeah. Since the exhibition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was yeah. fantastic, by the way. And you were Thank the first. Thank you. I mean, the only reason we counted them was because they were in the exhibition. So because I'd never even I'd never even seen them all together before. So we got to count them. And I think it was I think by the time the exhibition started, we were up to 200 and something. So I think we're probably more than that now. Yeah. But hey, who's counting anyway? You know, <laughs> So let's just crack into the, to the question that all the people listening are going to want to know, which is for those interested in getting into session styling, how would you suggest that they could sort of get into it or maybe even make that change from working in a salon to session styling? Well, I think things have changed very, very dramatically over the last 10 or 15 years when you have a magazine like Creative Head, which has kind of seamlessly married the world of you know, what I do, studio or session hairdressing, as it used to be called, and um, salon hairdressing, which used to be two very, very different things, which they are. 
I mean, rooted in obviously the, the same education and training. But when I started doing this, it was the mid 70s. And really this world of photographic work and magazines was very, very small and very niche. It was not like it is today. There were only a handful of people did this in each city in the world, well, Paris, London, New York, Milan. It was, and, and most people were attached to a salon. So you'd kind of do this with the grace of the salon owner or managing, allowing you to go and spend a day or two days doing a shoot for Vogue. And I remember in, in 1980, when my salon owner, which was Moulton Brown, which was the kind of hot London salon in the late seventies, um, he decided that having, I mean, we were doing every shoot for every magazine practically. So, of course, us being at the salon weren't bringing the money in. So he decided he was going to really kind of cut down on the days we were doing photo shoots. But by that time, I'd got so, so into doing photo shoots, I just absolutely loved it. And I kind of knew that that was what I wanted to try for you know, the foreseeable future. And I was going to give it a bash. And if it didn't work out, I could go back in a salon, fine. So that was 1980 and I left the salon and I started up doing photo shoots. And obviously the thing is, once you've learned your skills as a hairdresser, you can kind of go anywhere and do anything. And I think I always thought if, if, this, if this world of photographic work doesn't work out, because it's such a new small industry. If it doesn't work out, I can always go back and sell it. I can always cut hair. I can, and, and I did that for a while. I drove around um, as a freelancer cutting people's hair to fund my session work because there wasn't much money in it. Now I'm rabbiting on. And, How did you uh, even get your first session uh, shoot? Uh, well, that, that was when I was at Moulton Brand and, and, and they were the kind of go-to salon of the late 70s the for magazines salon. to ask. And um, so in those days, the magazine editors just called up the cooler salon. They called up the, the, the salon. Yeah, there wasn't an agent or anything like that. No, I think there were for commercials and things. There were there were people who did hair and makeup together. It was it was very, very small. They, I, I remember the agency thing started in the 80s when I started. I, I, I was there. I mean, I, I do take credit for being one of the very first people to ever do this. So um, I, I, I kind of, I like to think that a few of us at the beginning kind of made the blueprint for how it is now, yeah. you know, because, because back then you really were attached to a salon. So did you have a sort of champion to kind of help train you in this or were you literally a sort of pioneer? I was very lucky to have gone on a few shoots with a, a brilliant hairdresser called Kerry Warren. And Kerry's still very much in demand these days. And so I got to go and assist him only a few times, but I, I, I was then kind of thrown in at the deep end. So I, yeah. I kind of learned it on the hoof. Kerry's like. amazing. With, Kerry's incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to get to work with Kerry a few times, but then I really was thrown in at the deep end because we were kind of, we were inventing these things. We were, there was no blueprint from before. It was kind of, we were all kind of making it up as we, as we went along, which I, I kind of find, I think I still am really, you know? But that's the best way, isn't it? <laughs> but, but I think now, nowadays there's, there are much 
there are much more well-trodden ways to get into the business. You, you, by, you know, I now, when we're doing, back then a fashion show was 10 models, maybe sometimes eight models. So you'd have one assistant, two assistants. And, and now it, everything's much more demanding. Now there are much bigger teams of people there. You do a fashion show and they'll be doing a photo shoot, film, an ad campaign all at the same time. So we need teams of sometimes up to 40 people in a show. So there's a greater demand for, for people doing what I do. And so assisting is basically what you're assisting, saying. Assisting, yeah. Is, so is the good the way key. of doing that is to is to badger your boss in the salon to um, allow you to come and assist someone like myself on Fashion Week, and that's that's that would be the traditional way to get into this business now. Right, right. So then you need to, if you want to assist and you're in a salon, badger your boss to get a bit to get that week off or whatever if you want to do London Fashion Week. Yeah, when things are back up and running. But I think I think I think nowadays bosses are much more amenable to it because they they weren't for a long time. It was quite hard to get assistance for quite a long time because because everything was so separated. But I think now people see the benefits of being in that sort of really creative situation, yeah. and they can take it back to the salon and use that in education, and also use it on social media. So, exactly. so it's a win-win situation, I would say. Yeah. So they would contact your the agents of, of whichever yes. hairstylist yeah. they want they yeah. want to assist. Okay. Yeah. So that that's fairly straightforward nowadays. Yeah. Um. So who who trained you? Um. I trained at a very small salon in Scotland. And then I moved to London and worked in various salons. And there was a salon in Miss Selfridge where I used to work. And I worked in Elizabeth Arden and Bond Street. So I had different stages of training. But when I went to work in Malton Brown in the late 70s, that was a whole new retraining for me. That was they, they worked with their hands there. They were kind of they were very much. Um, at the forefront of natural hairdressing, which is, I guess, where I learned to use my hands most. Right, and that's important for session styling, isn't really it? Really important to, to not be afraid of the material of hair, to use your hands. Yeah. So relationships are, are the kind of key uh, for, for a session stylist or indeed makeup artist. So who would you say your most important relationships have been with? Oh God, I have, there's so many, it, it, it is, it's not just one or two people, it, it, it can be. I mean, at the beginning, um, some wonderful ladies at British Vogue, Anna Harvey and Elizabeth Tilbaris, who are no longer with us, um, kind of mentored me as a very young, inexperienced, terrified young hairdresser. They mentored me and, and and I went on to work with both of those ladies for many, many years. Yes. And then when you, when you start to do session work, you, you form teams with your photographer and your makeup artist. So you have these little teams of people going. In the session world, it's all about the collaboration. It's not a solitary art. It's much more about the team and the collaboration. And you will find that you build yourself little teams of hair, makeup, styling, photographer, and that can develop and change over the years. But I have, I have many, many photographers like Nick Knight and Patrick de Marchelier, who I worked with for decades, 
So they're like family almost, aren't they're they? They're like family. And, and Mary Greenwell, many, of course. Many um, makeup artists, you know, like Val Garland and Peter Phillips and Mary Greenwell. And, and you, you really do become like family. Yeah. Many, many of my own team with um, Eamon Hughes and, and um, Valerie ben Benvenides. I always struggle with that one. And uh, you, you become very close to your team. And Nicola Clark was on my team, you know, 20 yeah, odd years ago. And, and we still work together. So it's, it's about building those teams and those personal relationships. It's all about the collaboration. Yeah. And, and is, there, is there an ideal sort of temperament for, for working uh, internationally as session sheets? Um, no, I don't think there is. Is there? I think like anything, everyone has their own personality, really, you know, and we all kind of bounce off each other. It wouldn't do if we were all the same, would it? No, so that's good. Different, different personalities. Yeah, it's all, it's all in the mix. But you've got to still form relationships and, put, and have the, the gift of putting people at their ease. And, you know, all the supermodels that you've worked with through the 90s, I mean, you would have worked from them from being little shy newbies almost all the way through to the fully fledged uh you know icon yeah but when you've worked someone with someone from when they were 15 or 16 you don't see them as that icon you you, you see them as the 16 year old girl still <laughs> you, you know so it's all relative really yeah so in a way that that's that's families as well isn't it looking after yeah it's young models it absolutely in a way they're you, children at 15 they're children no that, that many many models they are they are children when 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 they come into our folds, you know, yeah. they're, they're teenagers, yeah. So how would you work in terms of approaching a new look with, with a model celebrity or even royalty? Because I know you've, you've worked with um, with Diana, Princess of Wales. So how would you approach uh, the cre creation of a hair look when you're on a shoot? Is it, do you, do you think, I'll oh, have a look at the clothes, you have a conversation, how does that work? Well, yes, it's very much a collaboration. It's very much what the, the brief is, what, what, what the look is they're trying to create, for instance, for a cover for Vogue. Is it a summer cover? Is it going to be outdoors? Is it, do, are we going to create a whole new look? Are we going to keep it low key? Or is it going to be all about the makeup? Or is it the turn for the hair? Or many, many different, many, many, many different things. And you sometimes can have it planned to the letter and it's the shot that is off the plan that makes it on the cover. So I think it's all about discussion and it's about the adventure of, I'll often start quite, well, I'll always start gently because we've always, you've got, to, you've got to kind of win the subject over, especially if it's an actress. Models, they're there to do whatever you want with. Mm. So that's kind of, that, and they know that and that's a skill in itself. But I think it de depending on what's needed for the cover is, um, for instance, we did a cover last March or June, I think it was, of um, Dame Judi Dench for British Vogue. And yeah. I, I'd never done a hair before. And it was the Vogue team. It was Val Garland. It was Nick Knight. It was Kate Phelan. So we were we all we all had to win Dame Judi over a little bit, Cause, you know, because she's an older lady and she was probably a little nervous, too. And um so it was, it was um, you know, it was a case of gently giving, because what we do, whether it's Dame Judy or it's Kate Moss or whoever, what we do in the dressing room is we gently give that person a character. We build that, we spend, there's a couple of hours that goes on doing hair and makeup 
and dressing. And it's about finding the character for that job, finding the, the person that they're going to be that day. Which Kate Moss is this going to be today? Which one is it? The sexy Kate Moss is it the sort of the androgynous Kate Moss? Which, which, which person are we portraying that day? And we're there in the dressing room um, with our subject, building this character with hair and makeup. So we're kind of, we're really doing, looking at it in details every step of the way till we find somewhere we all think, yeah, th th this is a good start, you know? And then you build from there. It's building blocks. Yeah. These are skills that you've all learned as a hairdresser in the salon. It's putting people at ease and not bullying people into something, gently, gently coaxing. Yeah. And knowing when to not, you know. And what's the difference in approach for covers kind of compared with the, you know, inside shoot? Um, well, the, the cover is the thing that has to sell the magazine. The inside, you can, you can often be a lot more daring with, whereas a cover has to, that, that's the thing that people might buy the magazine for. Although that's changing a lot now because people are not buying so many magazines. So, so there's less onus on it to be really commercial, you know? Yeah. And of course, in America, it's largely subscription, isn't it, magazines? Yeah, and, it's, and now everything's online, so they can be a bit more adventurous. Yeah, and I think people actually want to see something a bit more. We're so bombarded visually. Kind of people expect something a bit more experimental, even with celebrity shoots now, don't they? That's changed too. Yeah, even with celebrity shoots now, it's much more experimental than it used to be. You know, it's not just about the actresses. It's very much about a character for the day yes you're right and is that why sometimes you work with a colorist because I mean if you were going to do Rihanna and you say let's do her with green hair well that's going to make a great cover isn't it if, yeah. if she agreed to it well that would always be a wig <laughs> aha the wig yeah. so this is yeah. another important uh, part of the session stylist arsenal isn't it yes. the wig being Very able to work so. with yeah. wigs yeah, yeah. And you had all those fantastic wigs at your exhibition for, um, yeah. with, with Vivian Westwood for the shows. Yeah. I mean, that was, that's a work of sculpture to, to prepare all those wigs and hair pieces, isn't it? Well, it's be, a wig has become almost sort of, it, it's almost like the new accessory, you know? It's, it, it's because before, maybe 10 years ago, um, wigs were kind of something you hid you didn't want anyone to know you were wearing a wig but now it's sort of full frontal and yes uh here's my wig and i'm proud of it you know so so that's great for us because we can be really creative with that yeah it's not just joan collins anymore no exactly. the case of wigs exactly <laughs> um what would you say have been some of the highlights of your career and i know there must be so many and that's so in a way that's hard but let's say highlights that had made some sort of impact either on the fashion industry or society or on the way that your career developed? Big well, moments. I guess, I mean, I guess big highlights like that would probably be the supermodels in the 80s, you know, from the, from the mid 80s to the mid 90s, that, that 10 years with creating so many iconic images that, that still to this day resonate and, and, and appear on mood boards every time you go on a shoot and then moving on from that when I met Princess Diana and, and got to work with her for a few years that that 
that kind of, I guess, brought me into the, the a bit more of a public arena, uh, which had a kind of different cultural effect. And then moving on to getting to work for, I think, 10 or 11 years with, with no, it's more than that, um, 12 years at Chanel with Karl Lagerfeld and working with iconic photographers like Nick Knight, creating really iconic images and covers. So I've been really lucky to have continuously reinvented myself and kind of embraced the next era. And, you know, we're still doing 12, 15 shows a season for amazing designers like like Fendi and, and Dries van Noten and Balman, you know, and each one of those is, a, is, a, is an incredible moment of pride in what we do. So we, we, we're kind of, I mean, pride is a funny word, isn't it? We don't stand back and think you're really proud of it, but each one is an achievement. Well, you might. <laughs> well, you kind of don't because you're on to the next thing, aren't you? You know, I, 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 yeah, I, pride is a funny old word, isn't it? Because I think, I think, because one of your questions was, what um, would be the thing I was most proud of? Mm. And I would say that what I'm most proud of is actually still being around, still doing what I love, mm. still making a difference, still bringing joy to people and still loving it. You know, I've, I've managed to I've managed to stretch this career out. You into have a long piece of elastic. You have, because I, I was looking at photographers' length, some of the really famous British photographers. Um, and I think Norman Parkinson had what, one of the longest stints, if you think that working from the 40s, yes, right through yeah. to 70s yeah. and 80s, yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. the longest slot for a photographer, yeah. which covers yeah. four decades. Now you cover, yeah. you cover four decades. I think you're the only I one. Think four I'm decades. into my fifth. You are, I think you're into your fifth, that's right. If you think from 1977 to now. And I'm sure there's a lot of people would like to see me on my way, but I am not going anywhere yet. That's that's good to know. But but I think we sort of started to touch on that, that that how you make yourself uh, relevant, you know, and and up to date, like how do you keep current? Because some people have difficulty with that from one year to the next, let alone Mm. five decades. I think what I've always done is I've always mixed with new people. I've always, I, I, I have my regular people I work with, but I also dip into new people and, and, and sort of be aware of what's going on and, and be open to open-minded, you know? I, I don't know. And some, I mean, there's been a few years where you kind of hold back and think, oh, I'm not sure I'm loving this as much as, you know, our last sort of few seasons, but then, then it, you'll find it changes into something else and you're inspired again. Because I wouldn't expect the same amount of inspiration constantly. It's, it, you know, it, it, it waves, you know? So like you, have to learn to ride, you have to learn, learn yeah. to ride the waves, you know? Yeah, no, that's interesting because Pete, that, that it is a bit the same with a relationship, isn't it? Where people think it's supposed yeah. to be, you know, all, Absolutely. Up, and all it, the time been, and it never it's is. It's been like this horrible time we've lived through. Um, I have taken that as an opportunity and I've kind of, it's given me time to step back because I wouldn't have stepped back before I was on, I was on the, the, you know, like all of us on the, on the fast train round the track, but it's given me time to step back and think about things and think, okay, what, what do I, where, what do I want to do now? What, what's the next bit? Cause I, I think fashion shows may or may not be the same again. Mm. I mean, there will always be fashion shows, but we've been interestingly, interestingly doing a lot of films recently. 
which is a different medium instead of a show, which which is much more time consuming and but less people. So it's I'm really excited. I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, yeah, and I have, you, have the democratization. To, you happen to be you have to be open to the new ideas and the new new ways of doing things. You know. So with social media, there seems to have also simultaneously been that kind of democratization of the show. And I think um, mm. Mark Jacobs was working with that idea when he did his Louis Vuitton pop-up shows. And that was about uh, that the show could then reach the public rather, because it used to be just editors and buyers. It was a trade show with maybe 50 people there sometimes, yes. Yeah, yeah. and now they want to, they're investing all that money. You need yeah. to have the world see the show, don't yeah. you? Well, it's actually not that long ago since they since um, you weren't allowed to take pictures at a show. It's actually not that long ago. And when social media started, I remember there were lots of signs up saying, do not post any pictures and da 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 da, da. You know, so really kind of the, 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 the change has been swift and immense. So that is a reinvigoration in itself, isn't it? Because the whole industry has... It is, and I think going forward, we'll, we'll see much more of that show's been more for the public just as much for the public because because that's the only way they're going to sustain themselves it can't it can't be just for the trade anymore you know so so those big brands will probably be more like cinematic events which it's been coming anyway you know mm. and how does that impact on hair because does hair then become part theater but or part something wearable or well, it'll depend what the it will depend what the designer wants to show. For instance, last season we did a film with Dries van Noten where we did we did a sort of color edge on the hair, which is not commercial at all. It was just very effective for the for the clothes. And who else did we did a film for? Who else did we do a film for? Um, oh God, another uh, other designers. You you um you do a film that that's super commercial. It's just like a, a runway. Um, show so that hasn't changed every every designer's brief will be different it depends what audience they're trying to reach so some will be incredibly creative and some will be incredibly commercial and some some will bridge the gap in between yeah it's so interesting how things are, are changing so rapidly um, i don't think there'll be an end to fashion shows i think there will be a a mix of fashion shows and film so films becoming the kind of an important medium and that's something for, for new session stylists to get used to the idea of the hair perhaps not being a static thing in a picture, but mm. perhaps the movement. Moving. Yeah, 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 you know, absolutely. Which yeah. goes back to the skills of salon hair. Yes, Where the exactly. hair actually needs to live, doesn't it? And yeah. to be able to move. But it needs to live on a shoot too. My, my hair always lives. Uh, because you need, to, when you're doing a photo shoot, even if you're doing hair that's still, you need to be able to change it really quickly. You know, it, it, it needs to be three-dimensional, not just two-dimensional. Because there, there's film on every shoot now, so you, you can't get away with shoving a cu cu couple of Kirby grips in the back or a bulldog clip. Mm. And, and that, feeds into your, that feeds into your hairline, doesn't it, in a way? that The cool girl range and, you know, did that feed into how you came up with a concept for, for your product range? Well, how that came about was we were spending a lot of time with wet products to get that sort of messy, tousled look backstage. And we, we just didn't, 
it was becoming more and more hectic backstage. We had less and less time with the girls because there were so many shows that we thought we can't spare the time to, to put mousse or something in the girl's hair and wet it and dry it anywhere. We need something that's instant. We need stuff that brushes out. We need stuff to be light that you can layer that, that's really, really user-friendly. We were finding sometimes that we'd put product in and you couldn't get it. It, it, was, it was quite heavy, so you couldn't get it out. And they would have product in it from the show before. You didn't know what it was. So we developed four very light, dry stylers. And it, it, it changed how we work. It, gave, it really freed up the time with us. It has made our lives much, much easier and much, much, um, our job much quicker. So that's something that's a part of your kit now. And does that mean all your, your assistants when you're doing a show or, or big job and you have lots of assistants, do you get them to use the same products or do you let them sort of use their own? Oh, no, no, we, we, we all use the same product. Whatever product we're Control. using, everyone uses. It depends, but, but that also depends on, you can't use the same product on every hair because, because some hairs are... Um, some hairs need oil more. You're also you're not you're often not doing the same hair on every girl in the show. There'll mm. be two or three different looks, so it's different products for those looks. But our products, you know, we 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 everyone has to use the same things. Okay, so I think my my final question would be, what what do you really look for? Because I. There's a lot of uh, people out there, and I know some of them, young people that, you know, you are their hero for hair and their dream would be to assist you. So what would you look for? Because you must get lots of people message you. What are you looking for in terms of, I mean, portfolio? I mean, it's not a physical portfolio anymore. Presumably you can check out someone's Instagram or what, what are you looking for when you- Well, recruit? we do check out their Instagram, of course. Um, but further than that, Apart from having the, the, the required skills, um, you've got to be a team player. That's, that's really important. Um, the, 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 the team player thing, I think, comes directly after skills because you will be in a big team of people. And I always notice the people who pack their bags and run as soon as the show's finished. And my eye goes to the guys who are helping to clean up and pack up and do that kind of thing. I think, I think going that extra mile is another plus. And actually the people who really make themselves available, that, that's another plus. So I think those four things are the key elements. Okay, so good training and making Good training, yourself... good skills, people skills and um, collaborative skills, team player skills not being afraid to get your hands dirty skills, not being afraid to carry bags into the van and, 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 the, and they're also the being, the, the, the being available for, for, for a show, just, just saying yes. So, so, so that to me says that oh. you're keen and you yeah. really want to do it. When, when we find sometimes people get, try to get picky and oh, I want to do this one. I don't, that's kind of off putting. So just be available. Because you haven't got time to mess around. You just need to call someone and say, can you do whatever we need, job we it need is? People who, we need people who'll commit. Yeah. Really, commit the time and the effort. Yeah. And, and what, what would you look for if you were looking for, at their pictures? 
what what sort of shoots are because you know these might be people that are doing shoots and at the, in their evenings and weekends because they're looking mm. to get into the industry what sort of i don't know i'd look for some i'd look for someone who has a variety someone who i don't know that's hard one i i just i just sometimes you just like what you see you like you like the you like the breadth of their um talent you know you like someone who someone who can who's not just stuck in one thing you know yeah who's versatile, maybe someone that's, versatility that's, i guess and working with you know seeking out teams to work with so maybe trying to work with a photographer who's going to best showcase that kind of hair or not yeah but some people just some people take their own pictures which are great you know and I don't mind that either I don't, I don't I'm not looking for someone who's super glossy and super sophisticated even somebody with a raw talent is uh is good enough for me to try out well that's good to know yeah well that's a, a very positive way to end I think for anyone listening to this that 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 really would like to to assist you or one of your team, because your assistants presumably have assistants too to begin with. <laughs> they do, yes, they're very much so, yeah. But thank you so much for, for talking to thank me. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's been really fun to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Careers Insights podcast. Episodes are released bi-weekly onto Acast, Apple, Spotify, and the British Beauty Council member zone. You can also follow the British Beauty Council on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok and Clubhouse to stay updated with the latest news. Or if you'd like to contact us and find out more about becoming a member or patron, please email join me at britishbeautycouncil.com.